On this episode of iFilmmaker, we are answering your questions. Welcome to another episode of iFilmmaker. My name is Ariel Martinez, and on this episode, it's going to be fairly short because both Mr. Saratelli, who is not with us on this episode, I'm writing solo on this one, uh, we're both actually quite busy, and, uh, you know, I, I did not want to... Uh, I didn't want to leave you guys without anything, so I decided to basically just answer your questions for this episode, and uh, and uh, hopefully you guys can enjoy it anyways, uh, but hopefully I can provide you with a little bit of uh, information on, on, on your questions, shed some lights where uh, where you guys needed uh, need those lights to be shed, and uh, just give you some information on our, on our upcoming film and how we want to collaborate with you guys. So with our upcoming film, we are deciding uh, on shooting in Miami, and as I mentioned in the last episode, we are going to be limited in space. So, that being said, we do have a lot of wheels moving on this one. We have companies involved that are going to be sending us equipment that we're going to be using. They're going to be sponsoring this film. We have uh, the uh, uh, public relations agency of our subject that we're actually collaborating with. Uh, we're actually drawing out some legal documents and in and such so you know there, there's a lot of people that are going to be involved in this and we definitely want to make this a great experience for for all parties including you guys so again if you want to be involved in this film i did say it was open for all and that still stands uh but we do need to have a head count so if you want to be a part of this we have had a quite a few of you uh, email us but if you haven't done so go ahead and do that you can email us at ifilmmakerpodcast at gmail.com email us there uh, if you're in Miami on November 22nd that's when we're shooting November 22nd that's when we're shooting and uh, you want to be a part of this film come see us uh, watch how we do this uh, very short uh, documentary that we're going to be doing on our subject we are going to be shooting on the red. Hopefully, if the 8K helium gets in on time, we'll be shooting with that one as well. But we are for sure shooting on the Raven. So um, let us know if you want to be a part of that. Also, uh, we need a couple of grips. We could use uh, some uh, BTS shooters. We can uh, use uh, some of that stuff, uh, uh, boom op and all that. So we're going to be doing, we're going all hands on deck on this one. So. Hopefully you guys can be a part of it. If not, not to worry. We are going to be posting a bunch of BTS pictures and videos and making a nice elaborate uh, BTS video of, th of this whole, I guess, experience. How we, we getting, we're getting companies involved, uh, drawing up legal documents and all that so we can uh, make this a full go. And we do plan on releasing this to film festivals. So that's pretty exciting. So hopefully you guys stay on board for that. Anyways, uh, let's go on to some questions that you guys have asked me. I posted online to ask your questions and uh, send in your questions so we can, um, so I, I, you know, I can come on here and just basically see what I can do for you guys. So I have a question here on Instagram. Uh, they're asking, is it necessary that the directors should know about cinematography? I don't think it's necessary. I think directors should always have, in my opinion, I think directors should uh, know a little bit of everything, you know, editing, you know, cinematography, uh, storytelling for sure. I think storytelling is really the basis of what they need uh, to to help maneuver for the story, I guess, that they're telling because every video is kind of like a story. And um, 
they should really know more or less about that stuff. But it's really the director of photography that needs to know that. But, you know, they're going to be doing their job. The DP is going to be doing their job according to what the director wants to go for, like the story that's being told and all that's going to be prepared in in pre-production. But it, I think it always helps if the director knows or has done, you know, every part of what it takes to 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 make uh, the film a reality. I think it, it it's always a benefit. It's always a benefit when things like that come into play, and uh, and yeah, I mean, it it can never help. It can never not help. So that's basically what I'm trying to say here. Um, if you want to be a director, great. I don't think you absolutely have to no cinematography uh but i definitely think that it helps for sure next question how do you get more work out of my i'm sorry how do i get more work out of my crew uh not sure exactly what you mean do you mean more work for the same pay if you are i don't know it you know it depends if you're already paying them a fair amount for the work that they're doing and uh uh, at which point I would say pay them more. Uh, uh, but that's the only thing. And then, okay, so there's also a follow-up question that says, and how can I, and how can you work faster with being sloppy when directing? That's a very simple one. You cannot, uh, you should not, and you should never be sloppy when directing. I don't, I never recommend that. Um, and I'll, and I'll give a, a piece of my own experience. I don't always, I, I always, uh, I guess mentioned to you guys that I'm always working as a one man band. I'm always a one man band and I never, uh, I, I, you know, I, I always advertise myself, but if it's a big project, when there's a good budget involved, a really good budget, I'll always try to get a crew always. And for those big budget projects and when there is a crew, I always spend a lot more time in pre-production and I do charge for that by the way because that's always something you know it's your time and effort putting into this project you have to be compensated uh, for that but the reason that I know that I'm going to spend a lot of time in pre-production is because there's a big project this is a big project there's a big budget involved and I do not want anything to go wrong I really do not so I spend a lot more time in pre-production putting together the story uh, making all the necessary hires. The first thing, what I usually do for stuff like that, for a much bigger budget, I make sure that I have a producer because the producer is really going to take off all that weight off my shoulders on making the hires and and uh, you know getting the location, the permits, uh, you know, getting basically everything we need, even the the small things like catering, you know, getting making sure the food like. I usually hire that first and foremost because that basically frees up my entire time to just focus on the story. And all I have to do after that is just follow up with my producer and say and ask them, is everything ready to go? You know, and I usually, you know, obviously you want to hire somebody to produce that obviously knows the industry, knows, has their contacts already, knows where to go to get everything done. Um, And that way I just don't have to worry about that. I've I've dealt with that before, uh, and man, never again do I ever want to do that because I do not want to compromise the preparation that I need to take for the project that my my client is hiring me for, to do. I don't want to compromise uh, my preparation, my readiness for the video or you know for this project because I don't know how to feed my crew the following the day of the shoot, and I don't. That's just something I don't. I don't think that you should have to be worrying about 
get yourself a producer uh, and make sure that they're taking care of all that stuff and uh, that they're up to par. And this would also avoid you from uh, being sloppy. You definitely don't ever want to be a, a sloppy uh, director on set. I think you'll you would lose a lot of credibility if you do that. If people see you as sloppy, you're not going to be respected. They're not going to take you serious. And um, and basically, you know, I I I cannot I cannot uh, recommend you guys do that. I always recommend that you guys take the time, take the time and do your work correctly. So, um, yeah, and. Uh, I, you know, I don't think I can add anything else to that. Do not be sloppy. Don't, don't do a sloppy work. Please don't do that. Prepare properly, but at the same time, charge for that preparation. It is taking your time and you want to do the job right. So that costs money. Quality costs money. So next question. I'm very interested in should your clients own all the rights to your work? If so, does that mean you should increase your price? I think we spoke about this a little bit before in a previous episode, but I'm just going to give you, I guess, my take on this. I'm very loose with, I guess, quote unquote, my work. Uh, Yeah, I remember now Mr. Uh, Saratelli and myself, we spoke about this a lot. I I really don't, I, I kind of, I don't usually hold like the, the licensee the licenses to the footage uh, from my clients. And I don't charge extra for that because as far as I'm concerned, uh, they paid for that. They paid for me to give them the footage and whatnot. What I do sometimes, what I do uh, sometimes hold on to is the project file. So what I'm not willing to do, like, so my client usually, you know, it depends on what we agree on, but my client you know, oftentimes I get hired just to conduct an interview and send them the raw footage. That's fine. Not a problem because they usually have an internal editor where that can handle that kind of stuff. But then sometimes I get hired to um, to do the shooting and the editing. And, uh, and, you know, sometimes they request the raw footage so they can have it in their archives. Not a problem. I give them that all the time. I've never had an issue where they've asked for the project file, but... I feel like that's something that I probably would hold on to and even then I would I would consider my client how big my client is how much you know I guess how much they're paying me it's just a few things that I would have to consider before I release that information and not that information that work I mean I put in that work and they cannot just take my work and um and build from there they're basically taking my template you know, they're not paying for a template. They're paying for footage. They're paying for the final product that I put together and they can grab that. Uh, but I don't know if I would give them the actual project file. What I mean by that is, you know, the Premiere profile or if you're a photographer, the the, the Photoshop file, the uh, the um, the if you're an animator or a graph, a motion graphic artist, the After Effects file. I don't know if I would give them that. Uh, but at the same time, I, I don't know if that actually applies because you didn't do any shooting as an animator. Like you're really making things out of, you know, thin air, which is a whole nother art and fully respect that. That's so awesome for those of you that can do that. I, I don't do that stuff, but I don't know if that relates actually to animators because they're actually paying for, well, yeah, I guess the finished product, uh, 
but again, I don't know if I would give them the actual project file, the actual timeline that I put all the clips in. I edited it down, put the music, uh, the uh, the uh, the color grade, the the, the correction, the uh, the sound mixing, all that stuff. I I don't know if I would uh, give all that stuff to my client without extra pay. I, I don't know. I've just again, I've never been in that situation where they've asked me for that. So I really don't have, you know, it, it would have to definitely be on a on a per project basis. So, yeah, yeah, definitely for sure. All right. We have another question on Instagram. Could you guys suggest a really cheap way for me to stabilize my footage other than warp stabilizer, please? Uh, okay, so yeah, Warp Stabilizer, for those of you that don't know, it's actually a plugin. Uh, Warp Stabilizer is a digital stabilizer for your footage. But the best thing you can do to stabilize your footage is obviously the best the best way is to obviously use a tripod uh, and use some sort of uh, camera you know, camera support system, like a tripod, a monopod, a, a, a you know, a gimbal. Uh, but if you don't have any of that, there's a few tricks. And if you just go on YouTube and you just type in stabilized footage, I'm sure you'll come out with a lot of nice, good videos well put together that help you do that. Uh, there's a few tricks that they do. Uh, one, of, one of the most popular ones is that if you're on a DSLR uh, and it has a strap and it has a strap on it, you can just extend that the strap like pull tension on that uh like literally put your camera out while the strap is around your neck and shoot that way put some tension on it it'll actually reduce a lot of the vibrations caused by you holding just the camera you know when you're when you're adding friction when you're adding um uh when you're adding pressure to that like that you know you're actually you're pushing against what the 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 camera strap so it's actually reducing a lot of the vibrations uh one trick that I like to do is I like to use, uh, I like to lean up against a wall. If I'm shooting and there's a wall around me, I'll lean up against it. So there's a lot less weight that my whole body has to worry about. So as my I'm leaning against it, I guess my arms and my elbows are resting up against myself that is already leaning up against the wall. And I get much, much uh, stable footage that way. Uh, so lean up against the wall. And that'll give you really nice footage. Also, I always, you know, this is a reason why the 24 to 105 Canon F4 lens is one of my favorite lenses because it has that internal, that optical image stabilization, meaning the lens is doing the work and it's not being stabilized uh, digitally. It's being stabilized uh, optically. So that's also a great benefit of having the internal stabilization. And now also cameras are coming out with built-in internal you know the five axis internal stabilization uh the sony a6500 has it the a7s mark ii uh and a7r mark ii have it uh the a7r mark iii now has it the gh5 has it and so on so you know those are those kinds of ways sometimes i've even like if i don't have a tripod or anything and you have to conduct an interview for some reason just find objects around you, something that can get up to the height that you need the camera to be. Use anything, even a shirt. I'm not saying take off your shirt. I'm saying if you have something, a piece of fabric, uh, anything that you can, uh, you know, crunch together, put the camera on top of that and know that it will not move from there. You know, I've done that before. I've literally done that before. I've 
I forgot what it was. I think it was like a trash bag that I crumbled up into a into a ball uh, so that my camera can kind of sort of fit on top of it. And I, I literally had my camera there as I was conducting an interview. And that was my tripod, basically. So there's there's definitely some several ways. And I, I think you should just go on YouTube and check that out. Uh, just type in video stabilization techniques or DIY uh, video stabilization. I don't know, something like that. And you're going to just come out with a bunch, a bunch of videos that uh, can show you all that good stuff. So I think that's all the, the questions that I'm able to answer right now. I'm going to have to get back to my work. Uh, and uh, I got several edits to finish, but just want to remind you guys one more time. November 22nd, we are shooting a film here in Miami. If you want to be a part of this film, it's a short documentary. Uh, email us. Email us at ifilmmakerpodcast at gmail.com and uh, check us out. Uh, send us an email there and we will reply back uh, happily because, you know, we have so many balls rolling, a lot of things are moving around right now, and uh, we definitely need a head count for the locations that we're going to be at. So, uh, we need to get that squared away. So a lot of you guys have been emailing me. I mean, have contacted me on Instagram. Email us on ifilmmakerpodcast at gmail.com if you want to be a part of that. If not, just stay tuned and we'll have a lot of BTS stuff. If you're following me on Instagram, uh, it's at arielmartinez.tv. I'm going to be you know posting pictures on the stories and, and all that stuff from the shoot all on there. Uh, you can also go on ifilmmakerpodcast.com and check out all the information that you need for the shoot there as well so i'm gonna go ahead and cut this one short um thank you guys for listening to this one and uh, we will see you on thursday until then have a great rest of your week see ya